Praise God. Amen. Amen. Listen, church, you never know how you will help a person. And a lot of times, all it takes is a phone call. All it takes is a card that you send that their way. You don't know how you will bless a person's heart and let them know that they're being thought of. Because a lot of times when people are going through situations and circumstances like this, they feel like they're in it all by themselves. And it takes all of us, that is our job as being born again believers, is to see to the needs of those who are hurting, those who are without. So Sister Martin, God bless you. We love you here at Macedonia Baptist Church, and we're going to continue to check in on you, all right? Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. All right, if you have your Bibles, I told you we're going to do a part three of the sermon dealing with the life or the, the dark sins and secret sins of David. And we're going to look at Psalms 51 this morning. As we mentioned on last week, and the week before that, that David had sinned a great sin, that he had took another man's wife and then took that man's life. Last week, we dealt with a great cover-up, how David refused to confess his sin and attempted to cover his sin rather than confess his sin. And understand that David, in dealing with his sin, or his lack of dealing with his sin, began to deal with his situation. And what he could not conquer, David killed. Because he could not cover his sin, it took him to the point of killing a man and then taking his wife as to be his own bride. But understand that God sits high and God looks low. And God sees our every sin. I know every time, sometimes we feel as though, you know, we can get away with certain sins that God does not see them. We feel like we can get away with those unspoken sin that no one knows about. But understand that God knows. And we are to bring those sins unto God. David is going to deal with a true confession. What true confession looks like. Because all of us have been told that we must confess not just uh, that, that God raised Jesus from the dead at the point of salvation, but we need to confess our sins on a daily basis. We need to take them before God. It has been about a year since David sinned with Bathsheba in a time in which he's writing Psalms 51. So for a whole year, David is left with the guilt and the shame of this. And knowing that David was the anointed man of God, I know that there must have been something in him that was agonizing him every day. And if not David, it agonizes me when I know that I've sinned and I refuse to repent, when I refuse to confess it. There's misery that's going on inside of me. Why? Because there's a, there's a war going between my flesh that wants to cover it up and my spirit that wants to confess it. And so David takes pen in hand, and he writes Psalms 51. This is the penitent psalm of David. 
We begin our reading at verse number three because this is his confession. Psalms 51, verse number three. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I am shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desireth truth in the inward part, and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me know wisdom. Verse 7, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear the joy of gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sin, and blot out all of my iniquities. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. I'd like to pin for a title the essence of a true confession. The essence of a true confession. David has come into the reality that he has sinned against God. And not only has David sinned against God, he's sinned against Bathsheba. He's definitely sinned against Uriah. He's sinned against the nation of Israel. And what David really deserves is what every other Israelite would have received at that time. And that was death by stoning. David had committed such a great sin that is being talked about even to this day. Because whenever you mention sin or a particular sin in the Bible, David's sin is one of the ones that comes up most frequent. It has brought shame upon the name of the Lord, the sin that David had done. And had David just simply confessed his sin and repented, perhaps things would have turned out differently for David. But because David lingered, because David hesitated to really look at himself, God deals with him. He sends Nathan the prophet to him. And Nathan tells him the story that convicts David's heart. And Nathan looks at David and utters those words to David, thou art the man. That David, you're the one that's standing in judgment. You are the one that took the ewe lamb, David. You had all of this. God had blessed you with all of this and you took it. And understand that it was not until this point right here that David really recognized and realized and was ready to take responsibility for the sin in which he committed. 
like I said last week, before we begin to look at David, there are some of us that are sitting in these pews right now that have unconfessed sin in your life. And the problem of it is, is that, that, that we become prideful in our thinking. This was David's problem, was his pride. David felt like because he was the king that he could do whatever he wanted to do when he wanted to do it. And be, be careful of, of, of getting prideful or being pride or puffed up in your life. Realize that wherever God brought you from, it was him that brought you to that place. That you did not get there on your own accord. None of us are that special that God going to just let us go wherever we want to go or rise to wherever we want to rise. It is God that gives promotion. It is God that exalts us. It is not us. We should always be trying to bring ourselves down and understand that we're just servants of the Most High God. David seemed to neglect that. David seemed to forget that. But now we find David coming into the presence of God. And David opens up this psalm in the only way that he could open it up. Lord, have mercy. Have you ever cried a Lord, have mercy? Amen, amen. Because Lord, have mercy saying that, God, don't give me what I really deserve. You see, because all of us deserve death for our sin. Listen, I don't care how big your sin is, how little your sin is, all of it stinks in the nostril of God, and all of us deserve death for it. So he helps us up with, Lord, have mercy. And what this denotes is that David realizes that he cannot help himself. David has brought, been brought down to a place to where he realized that he must go to God for his mercy. And look what David, he, he, he does not appeal to God for God's mercy on his own uh, goodness, but he said, according to thy loving kindness. So in other words, God, I'm appealing to this because you've been, number one, you've been good to me. God has been good to us. As a matter of fact, God took David from the fields tending the sheep and anointed him to be king over all of Israel. God's been good to David. And whether you admit it or not, God has been good to you. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to sleep on it. God has been good. So he appeals to him on his goodness, but, but also he appeals to him for his kindness that he had shown David. David. God had given David everything his heart desired. If David wanted it, God gave it to him. As a matter of fact, that's what Nathan said to him. He said, if it had been too little, God would have given you such and such. God had been kind to David. But then he appealed to him based upon God's faithfulness. Come on. God's faithfulness. Do, do, do you really understand what God's faithfulness really means? That means that God will always be there. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, God will always be there. 
He's a faithful God. In other words, you can trust God. You can take God at his word. So David appeals for God's mercy based upon God's character. David knew who God was. He's seen how God worked. He had seen God work in the past. So he appeals according to God's character. And I'm glad that he appealed upon God's character and not his own character. Listen, he goes on to say, according to thy, the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. God has an abundance of mercies. It has been said that if we had sins for every strand of hair on our head, God has mercy that are numbered with the stars of the universe. So every day that we get up in the morning, there is new mercies waiting on us. Why? Because God know that you're going to sin. He know that I'm going to sin. But I cannot receive the mercy of God if I don't come and confess my sins unto him. If I don't acknowledge my sin, if I keep sitting on my sin, keep hiding my sin, God has judgment for us. But here David knows that, that, that God is a merciful God. No, understand, understand. I, I, I believe that the reason why God had shown, was going to show David mercy is because David knew how to show mercy. You, you remember when Saul was trying to kill David. There were several times that David could have killed him. But David showed mercy. And even after Saul had died and Jonathan, his son, had died, he still asked, is there anyone from the house of Saul to which I can show mercy to? And David showed mercy to Jonathan's son. So if you want to receive mercy, we must be willing to give mercy. That's what the Bible says. We've been studying in Bible. Blessed are the merciful, so they, for they shall what? Obtain mercy. Most of us want mercy, but we don't want to give mercy to nobody. He appealed to God's tender mercies. And he asked God to blot out his transgressions. Transgression is when you've gone too far. Is there anybody here that's gone too far? Amen. Has anybody crossed the line? This is what David said. He said, forget my transgressions because God, I've, trans I've gone over my limit. I've stepped out of bounds. So God, I need you to forgive me for my transgressions. Blot them out. David was asking God, to not just wipe the sin away. He was asking him to eradicate the sin. To obliterate the sin. As if it was never there. And he's appealing to God because only God can do that. 
None of, none, none of us can do that. This, this is a God thing. He said, wash me thoroughly from my iniquities. Here the iniquities means perversity. That David had been perverse in his sin. David did not leave not one stone uncovered. And if you really look at it, David is saying, me, my, and mine. When it came to his sin. Notice that David did not blame anybody else for his sin. We live in a, in a generation now, we want to blame everybody else for our situations and our problems. We need to understand that we are accountable and responsible for our own sin. And the Bible said before you start pick, putting your finger in somebody else's face about their sin, make sure you clean up your sin. David, David, David said, and cleanse me from my sin, transgression, iniquity, sin. David covered all bases when it came to him. He said, listen, verse 3, he said, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin are ever before me. God, before you can do anything, you must acknowledge your sinfulness. You must say, it's me, oh Lord, that's standing in the need of prayer. Me that's standing in judgment. God, I've wronged you. And my sins are ever before you. And even though God casts our sins in the sea of forgetfulness, our sin will always come and try and creep up before because the enemy wants to accuse us. He wants to remind us of our sins. And here David is asking God to take that away from him. He said, my sins are ever before me. I can only imagine that every time he looked at Bathsheba, he had to see Uriah. Whenever he seen Bathsheba, he had to see the babe that, that, that God had taken from them. The guilt was there. But understand this, that, that, that even though David sinned this great sin, there was still a great work that God wanted to do through David. And I don't care how bad you've sinned, God can still pick up the pieces of your life. And God can still do something noteworthy through your life. Can bring glory unto God through your life. To be like David, acknowledge it. Let him know that it's, it, 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 you know, it's me that sinned against you. He goes on in verse 4, he said, and against thee and thee only have I sinned. Now listen, I had a problem with this initially. Until I began to dig a little deep into it. Because quite certainly David had sinned against Bathsheba. And we know that he sinned against Uriah. How is it that David can say, against thee and thee only have I sinned? Well, because in comparison to what God had done for David, what God had brought David from, and in comparison to his sin towards that and towards God, everything else paled in comparison. And it was not even worth mentioning in this psalm. David realized who he had sinned against. 
But he knew that ultimately it was against God that he had sinned. He knew that God had been too good to him. And much in the same way, God has been too good to us. For us to continue to sin against God. I'm embarrassed sometimes when I sin against God. Because I realize how good the Lord has been to me. You see, I, I, I know where God has brought me from. I know what the Lord has done for me. And if I don't do nothing but go back to Calvary. Come on, somebody. If I just look at Calvary and see what the Lord has done for me. And how dare I sin and crucify him afresh all over again. I'm embarrassed by it. I'm shamed by it. He said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. The critical element here is that God is watching. David realized that, yes, even in the darkness, under the veil of darkness, he sinned with Bathsheba. Even in the secret enclosed letter that he sent to Joab to have Uriah killed, God saw all of it. God's eyes are always watching. Everything that we do, but listen, not only everything that we do, but God sees our hearts as well. He sees our motives. He sees our intents. He sees everything. And that's why we are always constantly confessing to God. Because I know that I don't always think the right things. And I certainly don't always say the right things. But I'm grateful, grateful to God. I'm grateful for what, what he's done. He said, listen here. I've committed this in your sight that, that thou mightest be justified when thou speak of me and be clear when thou judgest. David is telling him, he said, listen, if God killed me dead today, he would be justified in doing this. This is what David is saying. Let's make this absolutely clear that if God struck me down for what I did, I would be deserving of it. And there would be no one that could lay anything to God's charge for killing me dead. Why? Because I acknowledge my sin. I know that I've sinned. I acknowledge who he is and how much he means to me. David looks back over his life. And he realizes that the sin with Bathsheba, the covering up and killing of Uriah, was just the surface sin. David realized that there was a sin deep down inside of him that needed to be dealt with. Look in verse 5, he says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So all of us were born with a rebellious nature against God. All of us was born with a propensity to sin, even, yes, a great sin like David's sin. All of us have that living inside of us. But as Paul said that I crucify myself daily, we have to crucify that man. We have to nail that man to the cross. Why? Because if not, he'll raise up all kinds of havoc in your life. He'll have you doing all kinds of sinful, wicked things. He said that I was 
born into sin. But understand this, brothers and sisters, even though we were born into sin, that does not take us off the hook, and David realizes that. Because even though we were born into sin, along the way, somebody taught us right from wrong. We were taught what's sin and what's not sin. So not only are we born sinners, we, are, we choose to sin. Whenever we, we sin, every last one of us makes a conscious decision that we're going to sin. It may not hit you at the moment, but when you begin to look back and reflect, you say, yeah, I, 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 that was me. I, I can't blame that on anybody else. That was me. I, I, I don't care who tempted you. I don't care how beautiful Bathsheba was bathing on that. David made a decision. He decided that he was going to sin for her. So we can't blame anybody else. Yes, he was born into sin, but David chose to sin. Verse 6 says, Behold, thou desire of truth in the inward part. Did you get that? In other words, you got to be true on the inside. Because if you're not true on the inside, you're susceptible to commit the same sin all over again. David wants God to cleanse him from the inside out. Not just a surface cleaning. It, you know, it reminds me when, when, I was, when, I, when I was a little boy, mama would run my bath water and tell me, go in there and, you know, and, and, and take a bath. And mama knew, because I would just do a surface cleaning. But your mama, you ever hear your mama got that, that rag and she's just scrubbing you, you know, she's getting that dirt off, that, that, that belief the surface dirt. It's the same way here. We can't just do a surface cleansing. cleansing. It's got to be a deep cleansing. This is what David is appealing for. <clears throat> the inward part. And those hidden parts that we have. Those are those things that you're struggling with that don't nobody else know about. But understand that eventually it will come to light. When you, if you will not deal with it, it will come to light. God will uncover it. So David wants to be clean. He makes this appeal that he might be clean, that he might be forgiven. But how many of you know that it's not enough for us just to be cleansed and forgiven, but God wants to restore us as well? You see, because there's some things that you have destroyed in your sin, in our sinfulness. I'm, I'm including myself in that. In our sinfulness that have robbed us of some things that God has for us. And understand that God is a God of restoration. He does not just heal you. He does not just deliver you. But he also will restore you. He starts in verse number seven. He says, purge me with his hyssop. This purging is a deep cleaning. And hyssop was, was the tool that they used to wipe the blood, the Passover blood, over the doorpost. But it was also used to sprinkle the blood. The priest would use it to sprinkle the blood of the lamb. He said, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. 
So David wanted to go back to the beginning. He wants to be whiter than snow. And understand that God is the only one that can do that. You see, because God is the one that can take your reputation and turn it into a testimony. God is the only one that can take your past sins that you have and use them for his glory. Because that's what he's done with the life of David. He's using it for his glory. He said, make me to hear the joy of gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. David is, 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 is being crushed under the weight of his sins. He had been crushed under the weight of his sins. But he said, let me hear the gladness. Let me hear that gladness. My bones are being broken, but I need to hear the joy and the gladness, God, that you have for me. Even though I'm being broken, God, restore me to that place. Bring me to a place where I, 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 I can just worship you, God, again. Because understand that David is unable to worship God in that, con in that condition. In the same way, the reason why we can't come into a, a real worship is because we've got this unconfessed sin. It's weighing us down. And until we get rid of it, we'll never be able to really worship God the way that he deserves to be worshipped. Too many folk are bringing their sin into the church building. And all we have to do is confess it, repent, and turn from it. And we might be able to worship him. And worship him in spirit and in truth. So not only does David ask for God to restore him, he tells him, hide thy face from my sin and blot out all of my iniquities. David did not want God to see any of his sin anymore. And the psalmist says the same thing. Psalms 103 said that he comes to cast our sins into the sea of forgetfulness and remember them no more. We ought to be glad about that. That God does not deal with us according to our sin. But he deals us according to his mercy and his grace. But it takes us acknowledging and confessing it. The second thing David asked for is that God will restore his heart. The heart is the seed of who we really are, the essence of who we really are. In verse 10, he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David realized that he needed a new heart. He didn't need an old refurbished heart. He needed a new heart. So he's asking God to create a new, this is metaphorical, he's asking God to create a new heart within him. All of us are the same way. Because the heart wants to what the heart wants. And if the heart desires God, then the heart will chase after God. David has extinguished his past sins. He said, God, give me this clean heart. I can't do it if I don't have a heart change, a heart transplant. And renew a right spirit within me. There's many spirits out there. We're dealing with many spirits. 
But we need to have a right spirit. And that spirit comes by way of God's Holy Spirit. This is when you allow the Holy Spirit to come in and to dominate your life. A lot, of, a lot of people claim that they have the Holy Spirit, but they are not living in accordance to how the Spirit wants us to live. Because if you have the Spirit of Christ living inside of you, then you will exemplify it through the fruit of the Spirit. How many fruits of the fruit of the Spirit do you really have? How many of them are really showing up in our lives? Listen, God, 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 God wants us to get to this place. David is beyond his sin now. He's pleading with God. He's asking God, I need a new heart. I knew a right, I need a right spirit. Verse 11, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. David is asking God, don't let him be a castaway. Don't just cast me away, God. He said, he said, that, he said, and take not your spirit from me. I understand this, that, 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 that what David is talking about here is because we as believers, in the Old Testament, you know that the spirit would come upon people and they would do things for the glory of God, and then he would depart from them. Now we here in the New Testament church have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. He lives with us always. He goes with us everywhere that we go. David here is appealing to God that he would not take the anointing that he had given him, that Samuel had blessed him with. Because David was anointed as to be the king over all of Israel. And the reason why this could not have happened is because God promised David that his heir would always sit upon the throne. But David felt as though he had sinned such a great sin and his fear that God would rip that from him. Much in the same way he did Saul. When Saul walked in disobedience, God took the kingdom from Saul. So David says, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And then he asked for to be restored his joy of his salvation. Verse 12, he says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Now, 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 as bad a sin as David committed here, most of us would have kicked him out the kingdom of heaven. Most of us would have said that, no, he ain't going, ain't no way David saved. Ain't no way David is going to heaven. But look at what he says. He said, he said restore unto me the joy of my salvation. The salvation was still there. David just didn't have any joy. Why? Because he was still dealing with his sin. He said, return unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. God is the only one that can uphold us with that. So David wanted to know the joy of his salvation. And understand, brothers and sisters, as long as you have unconfessed sin in your life, You'll never completely feel the joy in which God comes to give us. You'll never experience the joy of, of, of loving and forgiving God. Your joy will be hampered. You're still saved, but you'll be joyless. 
And that's a miserable place for a Christian to be. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's where I draw all my strength from is the joy of the Lord. And I don't need nothing to hamper the joy in which God has given me. It's the joy of the Lord. It's the joy of the Lord. Store to me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. After all of this process, God, after all that I've been through, and yes, God, it was all by my fault. It was my doing. I'm going to teach sinners not to do what I did, not to come down this road that I came down. Why? Because it's been painful on me. I've lost a child. I've been called into question from all those who are ruling over. They all have seen my sin. You don't want to come down this road. And that's one of the things I used to always tell the young people. Is that you, you, you learn from the mistakes that others have made. You, 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 you don't have to make the same mistakes that others have made. That's why David's life is spilled out over scriptures right now, because we should not have to, we should learn from the mistakes that David has made. I say, you, you, you don't have to walk over to that dumpster to know that it stinks. I'm going to tell you it stinks in there. But most people will go over and lift the lid and stick their head right over into, into the, the dumpster. Learn from the testimonies of others. David said, not only will I tell people about it, I'm going to teach them this. I'm going to let them know what this this road leads to. It leads to destruction. It leads to death. So David has this confession, this essence of his true confession. And this is all made possible by God himself. Because God had shown David how forgiving he was and is and will always be. Understand that this is not just for David. This is for us as well. And I challenge you, I challenge you to sit down in some quiet time with the Lord. And ask God, Lord, reveal myself. How do you see me, God? What is it that you see in me, God? What are some of the things that I need to deal with, God? And when God begins to reveal it to you, then that's a good time for you to begin to confess and asking God to turn you around, to forgive you. Why? Because Jesus Christ paid an awesome price for that forgiveness. He paid an awesome price. He gave up everything. He came down here that he might tabernacle and dwell with us in this earth. He showed what we really should look like as Christians. He showed us how to walk in this world. He showed us how to forgive people. He showed us how to give and to bless people. He showed us even how to love our enemies. He showed us that he had done nothing wrong. But because of the jealousy of the Pharisees and the Sadducees they accused him and they had him arrested in the garden of Gethsemane they took him from the garden and they marched him from judgment hall 
to judgment hall, accusing him, seeing if they could find some type of fault in him. They could find no fault in him. As a matter of fact, that's what Pilate said. I find no fault in this man. But yet and still, the crowd yelled, crucify him, crucify him. And that they did. They marched him from the judgment hall up to Golgotha's hill. There they nailed him in his hands. They nailed him in his feet. Put a crown of thorns upon his head. He suffered, bled, and died. But before he died, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Even at his darkest hour, even hanging on the cross, he was thinking of other folk, thinking of you, and he was thinking of me. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Yes, he died that Friday. They buried him in a tomb. He stayed there all night Saturday, Friday, all day Saturday. But early Sunday morning, he rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. He rose that we might be forgiven. He paid the price. And right now, he's making intercessions for us at the right hand of the Father. Every time the devil comes and accuses us and said, look at what she did. Look at what he did. God, Jesus said, I died for that sin. I gave my life for that sin. I shed my blood for that sin. And he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back. He's going to rapture his church. Will you be ready? Must confess our sins that we might be fit for the kingdom must confess our sins because God offers forgiveness for our sins if we would just confess. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us, forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's God that's able to do that. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open. See what God has come to do. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.